Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. We are in the studio with one, two, three, nope, actually four people. I'm Chris Baca, sitting here with Jared Truby, yo, as yo. always, and Patrick Melroy is on the board. Oh, so good to see you guys. He's been cutting us loose by our own, but he is back in action, and we are here with Julia Mayer, Hello. owner of the French Press and Castle Coffee Roasters, one in the same. Hi, Julia. Hi, guys. Hey. Thanks for coming. We've been I'm so trying, excited to be here. We've been it's trying doing, to get you in for a few weeks. Yeah, we did it. I know. This Turns out you're busy. Moment. Busy gal. You do a couple things. Running shops, having a child. Doing it all. Being a wife. It's all right. <laughs> Give her the full intro. Tell, tell, yeah. tell people who the heck she is. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, you probably know who she is, but Julia owns the French Press and she owns Castle Coffee Roasters, which are the same company. Yep. Right. And Castle is the roasting brand and French Press is the name of the two stores that you currently have with a third one on the way. That's right. Right. In Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara and soon to be lovely Galita. Woohoo. Yeah. Yeah. She is uh, my employer and mentor. And Still she the weirdest thing that has happened in my life, I feel like, but we'll take it. <laughs> and she employs Chris Baca a couple days a week as well. Tuesday, Wednesday. Provides us a roasting space for Cat and Cloud. Super awesome. So many things happening. You so do a lot of stuff. All Inventor those beans. of the Richter scale. Inventor Inventor. Richter. <laughs> yeah, if you guys ordered coffee from us, first of all, thank you. That's so rad. We shipped out another shipment just yesterday, I guess it was. That it was arrived, yesterday. It arrived on my counter this it, morning. I Me personally too. drop off. That was yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you get your coffee? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I left it in the office. So we were like, we got to leave. You asked the handwriting. Whose handwriting is Yeah, your this? handwriting looks so nice. Isn't I didn't it nice? recognize it. Oh, my handwriting's really good. Those bags Only are, when I try. Those bags are bigger than I remember. Those are, they've gotten bigger. I think I gave you 100 gram bags last <sighs> time, and then I, I full on you this time. Yeah, they're awesome. So if you, if you guys got any of our coffee, it was all roasted at Castle Coffee Roasters on the 15 kilo Giesen, which does not belong to me, does not belong to Jared. It belongs to Julia and Todd. Woohoo! <laughs> so uh, there's a little cat fact. That's for a you. cat fact. Oh, there's another fun cat fact. <laughs> cat fact. It was then bagged into a bag with a weird drawing I drew on the front. With of a it. weird drawing. Oh, that's oh, right, man. See, we've mentioned this in the past, but this is a big deal. Yeah, oh. this is this is fantastic. You more than invented the Richter scale. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 rewind back in time. I invented the Z axis. <laughs> <laughs> well, this situation is is maybe a little bit more complex than it sounds. So. You live in Santa Barbara, and yes. you are from Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. but you have a history with Santa Cruz, yes, where we are from. So break that down for the people. How, how does that work in your life timeline? Well, it works really well for me. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Um, well, I went to school at UC Santa Cruz, and uh, as I have told Patrick before, I was a guest on Patrick's podcast, and we talked about my whole history best guest ever went to uc santa cruz from high school in santa barbara and uh i have always worked in coffee since i was 17 that was my first job hopefully it's gonna be my last job well, and be uh, last job. it uh so when i was at uc santa cruz i worked in coffee i worked at this coffee shop called espresso royale where <laughs> i made 20 ounce raspberry mochas and it was really awesome and uh i don't know i love coffee and i loved working in the cafes and it was just like the best job you could have in college so after that left santa cruz to pursue a job in public radio and then moved back to san francisco because i thought i should go to culinary school for some reason but really i just wanted to Obviously. go work in coffee <laughs> she's a good cook well you know i like to taste them. you season well <laughs> season. 
Um, yeah, so I moved back to San Francisco and uh, started working at Pete's. And I uh, was actually a manager there for a fair bit of time. And then uh, my former boss at Espresso Royale uh, brought me back to Santa Cruz to manage three stores and a roasting operation and open a fourth store for him, um, which is like a really amazing opportunity for me. It was a super crazy experience. And so I I grabbed the net and caught that butterfly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, that was when I met Jared and Ryan and Colby at Verve. I uh, they were opening Verve as we were Whoa. working at Espresso Royal, which is now Lulu Carpenters. Yeah. And um, we opened a third store at the time, and it was just like a crazy life experience. But uh, it was so interesting to me because I had lived in San Francisco. I knew about specialty coffee, but it was like not really applicable in my life at that time mm-hmm. because. Uh, the coffee shop I worked at was really like, I don't even know, like in the wave perspective, it's like second and a half, I guess. I don't know. We yeah. did latte art, but like. He roasted his own yeah. coffee too. Yeah. I mean, he's like he, on the way. He, he tried, but yeah. it was like definitely not. Well, you could go in and order like certain coffees. Yeah, yeah. Right. You could order more than one coffee and get yeah, like well, a there was There was some sense of specificity. Right? Well, the third store added all of that until uh, that point. That so was really the octagon? Like, yeah. I was kind of the bridge that took like a. 20 ounce raspberry mocha store into having a clover, having single origin espressos. Oh man. Really like thinking about roasting a little bit harder and like uh, actually paying way more attention. Yeah, the clover. So those are only at Starbucks now for all you coffee geeks. It's like a by the cup version. It's a vacuum vac press situation. Yeah, like a vacuum press. Is it a proprietary thing? So you can't, we, nobody now has it is. Anymore? crazy it's starbucks owned yeah well, they basically shelved it because people could still have them but you couldn't get them couldn't fixed get parts. and you yep. could get parts there's a um lulu carpenters used to be the one on pacific avenue like my favorite coffee shop in santa cruz ever yeah i know because too. like way back in the day and jenny and i would come to the catalyst to go watch like the get up kids or like, hey, Mercedes or something like that. And we would go get mochas at Lulu Carpenters. And I was always pumped because I liked hot coffee. And they had a microwave out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I would go and I would get a mocha and I'd drink half of it. I'd order it extra hot and I'd drink it. And then halfway done, I'd go back out and put it in the microwave. <laughs> Holy and shit. And reheat that up. At the catalyst? <laughs> no, no, no. This Next is like, this no, is like before, the, con- oh, before the concert. Inside Lulu Car- Inside Whoa. Lulu Carpenters. So you'd sit outside and you'd drink some and you go back in and then Well, we'd sit it. out in the back. They have yeah, like yeah. that little back uh, terrace thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that... I mean, this I was before like... any of the other. Am I talking too loud again? <laughs> Did you see me reach? Yeah, <laughs> you're watching me. Don't watch me. I've got all. I love it. mocha. Watch your show. I like mochas. are talking loud. <laughs> so, Stay on your show. So here's here's one of the most cosmic things we could talk about. I uh, I met my husband at Lulu Carpenters. He Whoa. he was the manager of the skate shop down the street, and he used to come in every morning, and he would order a medium coffee in a large cup, and he was just like a super cute little skater dude, and I don't know. We were just friends at the time, and then, like, many years later, we ran into each other in San Francisco, and we realized we were, like, medium coffee in a large cup, and then it was love, and it was a super romantic, and uh, what if, Chris, Oh no! I made you those mochas, because I worked there at the That's time. That's entirely possible. Yeah, Isn't that weird? Yeah, and I used to close all the time. That's actually, like, I'm saying there's probably 75 to 80% possibility, because we went to a lot of shows at the Catalyst. Yeah. That was, like, the place to go, because I lived in Modesto at the time, so when we're going to the show, we're, we're either going to, like... San Francisco, but there was always good stuff at the Catalyst. Yeah, I and agree. it was like a more as a smaller venue, and I was feeling Santa Cruz. Plus Santa Cruz. Yeah, and I had an aunt that lived in Scotts Valley, 
Oh, you could so, crash there? Yeah, we could crash if we wanted to. It was pretty tight. Oh, great. Well, Here comes Mocha Man to microwave his mocha again. <laughs> Here's <laughs> Mocha Kid. Mocha Stupid skater <laughs> gonna, Mocha Kid. It's going to microwave that mocha I was again. probably so nice to them, though, because I... All right, crush you're nice, service. Kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. No, um, I, uh, I also, I really love that building. It, it, it it's was such sweet. a... It was bricks. A, oh, it bricks. It was a formative place for me because you know I moved to Santa Cruz and I didn't have a lot of friends but I got a coffee shop job and I made all of these friends in this community which is like you know it's that magical thing that coffee has and uh and then for me to have moved back like seven years later and to go back to work there and to actually like elevate it from like mm. kind of like mediocre coffee mediocre service to like really like put it in and like put the energy in to like make it something more special that was like a real thing that I took a lot of pride in and uh, I also met my husband there. Kind of important. Big deal. So, uh, but yeah. So, from there is the, I met all of the guys from Verve because I was like, "What's that? Why do we need another coffee roaster in Santa Cruz?" You know, as like everybody says. The about classic question. Coffee, yep. Right. We already have coffee shop. But we had opened this space, the Octagon. It had a clover, had a Mistral, had like all the fancy stuff, and we were like doing a pretty good job as much as we thought we could, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember Sean White and Colby Barr walked in the door, and Sean White had on this like barista competition t-shirt and i was like oh my god i was like instantly so nervous in this way i was like oh i have to impress these guys and uh i made them a shot of monsoon malabar yeah you did did. and uh joe suma but they were so nice and so i was like i'm gonna go out and check this place out and so i went out like the weekend it opened and Ryan O'Donovan was ringing people up, and Colby was making espresso. And I think Jared was washing first, dishes. First and last time yeah. you're going to see Colby make but espresso. <laughs> Jared was washing dishes, and I, I was immediately just like, I immediately understood why we needed a verve there, because it mm. was uh, this experience was so next level. Dude, Colby was like, hey, you want your face melted? <laughs> try, a <laughs> shot, try a shot of this decaf. And it was like a seven bean decaf blend. It was like insane. I was like, what's happening to me? That was and, all the uh, sample roasts we threw yeah. together. Yeah, and uh, it was just like this really special and amazing experience. Oh, and I'm, I was basically instantly like, well, I have to rethink what I do at mm. this place I work now, like completely, because I'm in charge. And uh, and then you know the owner wasn't as was kind of resistant to it. Mm-hmm. He was like really didn't like it, and that then like Todd and I started going to Verve all the time. Uh, and uh, as Patrick already knows, and you guys probably don't know, but I've like always wanted to open my own shop. It was mm-hmm. like always in my cards. It was always sort of like my my fallback plan, if you will. And, uh, or was it the dream? Well, it was always the dream and the fallback. It was like my textbook <laughs> answer that I would give people when they'd be like, what, is, what are you doing with your life? Just yeah. putting all these eggs in one basket. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Guys. Three yeah, baskets like, now and a roastery and a bakery. And uh, so I remember Todd and I were like sitting at Verve on a Saturday morning and uh, I was like, I'm going to open a coffee shop and I'm going to use these guys' coffee. I was like. I just know that that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, then we quit our jobs in Santa Cruz and we went traveling and we did all this, like, life experiencing and moved back to Santa Barbara. And the first thing I did was send an email to Ryan. And I was like, hey, I don't know if you guys do wholesale. Would you be interested in selling me coffee? And he was like, funny that you should ask. I would love to sell you coffee. And uh, that was how we became actual partners in this journey. So, Okay, I want to hear a little bit more. Because there's one point in time, I feel like, to where you worked for someone else and then you worked for yourself. Right. And that's like the magic that I want to hear about. Like, 
how did that work in your brain and in, in real life? Like, what were the steps? I mean, you obviously sure. had to find a space, decide that it was going to be in Santa Barbara. What was that process like for you? It's fully the craziest thing ever. It's like, uh, well, all right, to get weird. <laughs> like, have you ever just known something 100% for sure? Yes. Like, yep. You meet your wife and you're like, I'm in love with this person. Like, I just always knew that that was what was going to happen to me. I just knew that I was going to be my own boss. I'm like a third generation entrepreneur. My grandparents were their own bosses. My dad's his own boss. It's like I've watched people work super hard for themselves and never tire of it. And I've also watched other people just like drag through their days working for other people because you do hit this glass ceiling. I mean, you don't always... Not everybody does, but for me, I would always hit the ceiling where I'd be like, like what I was just explaining. Like I went into Verve and fully got like this experience that fully transcended anything that I had believed what was possible with coffee. Right. Mm -hmm. And I went back to where I worked and the owner shut me down. And so it's in that moment when you're like, we're not evolving, we're not changing and we're not growing. And I have nothing else to contribute to this Mm -hmm. really. And, uh, so for me, I always thought, well, I always knew I was going to work for myself. And it just seemed to take a lot longer. Like, uh, I mean, when I was in college, I was like, I'm going to co- open my own coffee shop. Thank God I didn't at the time because it would have been like horrible. It would have been sort of like raspberry mochas all the time. But <laughs> whew, you would have made the one. syrup. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, culinary school. <laughs> but uh, it's it's like. Understanding that you have more to offer than just like the situation, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you see that it really all it is is guts and trusting yourself. That mm-hmm. was like the big one for us. And I mean, our story takes this weird arc that I've explained before, but it entailed us working at a pretty big company. I was working for Mammoth Mountain and I was working in the finance department. I had a really good job. Todd was like working his way up in this like lift maintenance and it was we were just like having like a pretty decent situation. And they offered me this pretty big job. I was going to be the CEO's assistant and it was going to be like a like it was a a, a career move, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like, "But we're going to lay you off for 2 weeks so we don't have to give you benefits." And I was like, "You know what? I'm going to get stuck in this job for like five more years and I'm going to be miserable and I'm not going to do what I actually want to do. And so we were like, I t- turned the job down and we moved back home in with my parents here in Santa Barbara. And I was like, we're going to lick our wounds for a minute and we're going to figure it out. We were fully poor. We have no money. We just lo- We just left like the big jobs. And maybe like a week and a half later, a sp- a spot presented itself. This girl that I knew, she was like, hey, I need someone to take over this lease it was 2009. The recession had just happened. Things were clo- – I mean, downtown Santa Barbara now has like a, two, a 0% uh, vacancy. Right. At the time, there was a lot more. And it was, uh, it was definitely crazy because we didn't have anything to offer on paper, right? But my guts were 100% sure. Yeah. I just knew. I was like, well, we can make this work, and we're going to make it work. So to answer your question, a lot of it was – being able to accept the fact that it might not work mm-hmm. and understanding that if it didn't work, like life was going to go on. Mm-hmm. But also understanding that at some point, dreams have 
you have to put your money where your mouth is on dreams or they're just going to be this like thing you talk about forever. Yeah. And uh, so those two things really like lined up for me in really being that I like made the decision to just like say, fuck it. Like we're going to do this and hopefully it works. And uh, I'm sure it's going to work. It's just going to take a little time. It's going to be scary for sure. Yeah. We're going to work our asses off, but that's okay. Like, again, watching people that are my family, like watching my dad, I mean, Todd and I were just talking about like family vacations and Todd's like, oh yeah, we used to go all, all these places. And I was like kind of tripping out thinking about like what I did for a lot of those years. And I was like, we didn't go on a lot of family vacations. And I realized it's because we had six day work weeks. Mm. My dad worked Monday through Saturday and then Sunday was our family day. And like my dad is the biggest inspiration for me. I mean, he, I took Jared out to our third space today and he was like, <laughs> busting a wall down and he's like just, with a hammer just he's just like amazing and he's inspiring and he works so hard and all he's done is like shown me the benefit of hard work mm-hmm. and i also like i don't know like i'm not afraid of failure because like whatever like what's failure like, great question i don't know like like you're still gonna be alive yeah like worst case we've scenario. talked about this yeah, you can always like, just go get another job somewhere else if you have dude, to Dude, i'm employable like yeah if if everything falls to pieces, my no one's gonna take Frank from me. Like, yeah. who's my son? And Todd's probably gonna stay with me. He'll probably be crabby about it, but he'll stay. <laughs> he'll be a little bummed out. You know? I mean, he'll be able to skate a little more for a while. Or... <laughs> but uh, but I do think that like, and that's something that uh, I I don't take lightly. Like what I just said. Like I know that that sounds like a lot of like blowing smoke. You know, it's like believe in your dreams, put your money where your mouth is. But like, I also think that's like the number one thing I have to offer anybody who wants to listen to me talk is like just trust yourself Mm -hmm. do your due diligence like do your homework try you have to like have something to present like don't just like quit your job and walk out and be like somebody give me something like that's not how it works but you're gonna be okay six years ago you were unemployed and living in your mom's basement yeah, I literally yeah, I mean, start was living there. in the I, just, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like this yeah, was that's a gr- reality, which is that's yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's and that's when you when you when you get really down on yourself, you're just kind of like, well, what if in six years I'm opening my third shop? Right? Because totally. it's so hard to <laughs> project forward. Like, like yeah, that. you're like building that timeline. Yeah. And it, oh man, can I talk crap for a second? Yeah, go ahead. And I guess it's not talking crap. It's like you're almost like a proof of concept for me to where, you know, I was listening to you talk about your other job and how you'd kind of hit the ceiling and tapped out and. I think it's important for, at least this is my opinion, not everyone's going to agree, but you know, you hear employees that work somewhere and then they're not happy about how work's going and you know, no one wants to listen to them and they all have all these great ideas. It's important to note that like the, and they, you know, they complain about their employer, like their employer is not the one with the problem. It's the employee that has the problem. It was you that had the problem, you know? Your boss didn't really have a problem. He's like, I'm fine with the way my business is. This is cool. And you're like, I want to push the envelope. And he's like, no, I'm good. And so you're the one with the dilemma on the other side of the thing. So it's kind of like on you to like, all right, like you said, like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. So I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just like, yes, I'm saying if you are thinking about that, if those things are on your mind, like you know, weigh your options. Maybe you can make a move in some way, shape, or form. Well, I mean, the encouragement is this. It's like the number one reason you're not going to do something is because you're afraid of it. And on the other side of that fear is you either succeed or like you find a way to do something better long term. It's like you're not going to walk away with nothing. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah, you'll have some sort of growing experience. Like the only reason you're not out doing it right now is because you're afraid. 
right? <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. you haven't done your homework. Yeah, or or I mean, and to be fair, I mean, I in 1999 was like, I'm going to open my own coffee shop. And right. I didn't open my own coffee shop till 2009. And I banked a lot of life experience. And I, I do not discount the fact that for those two and a half years I was living in Santa Cruz and like working super hard for this guy was like the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned how to put together a coffee shop. I learned how to like manage numbers. I learned how to like understand what it meant to like roast and have a bakery. Like these are all like huge things that I learned. I didn't like, I wasn't reckless, right? Yeah. I knew, but like there's a certain point where you had to be like, I trust myself and I trust the skills that I have to take me as far as I can. And I also trust that I can ask for help. And I think that this is a really big thing. I will every day of the week give credit to Ryan O'Donovan, who was truly my mentor through those first few years of our business. I mean, he took the time two or three times a week to just talk to me on the phone where I would be like, I would just ask questions. And I think that that's like a really important thing in anything that you do is Mm -hmm. to be able to be humble enough to ask for help or to be able to just think things through with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really it's really like crucial to growth as a human being is like not being arrogant or uh, afraid enough to ask for that because it's amazing to me. I mean, the three of us have been friends for a long time, Yeah. but we, I feel like our best moments are when we're just like open and honest and like, Hey, I think this weird thing. And you're like, why? And then we're like, Whoa. And the next thing, (laughs) I mean, the next thing, you know, we're like solving freaking the quantum life questions. Right. And it's like, special and important to find people that push you but also that you can ask for help and not feel like afraid of and uh something that i think that is really amazing and interesting about our industry and like something that i'm like really encouraged by is that there are more forums for people to ask for this and this is something like scott lucy said it in his blog he was like Man, the young people these days like i'm amazed at what they get to do in 2 years because all mm. of us that were, you know, working in the 90s or the early 2000s it's like anything you wanted to know you had to figure it out on your own over time and it it was really thankless i mean most owners were like status quo is tight like we don't why are we going to change that like Mm -hmm. what you're oh you want me to spend more money on whatever like nobody wants to actually do that so we're in this different scenario where there's a lot more opportunity for us to like find answers like dude Matt Perger sends you an email every week that's like, oh, what's Bulletproof Coffee? Here it is. (laughs) I I had blood drawn for like three weeks straight and to show you or like James Hoffman or you guys, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is like really amazing to have resources that you can just find. But I also think that you should find people that like want to go on like a very weird journey with you and Mm -hmm. like can talk it through with you. So. Steve Jobs said, stay hungry, stay foolish. And I think you need a little of both of those things. Like you got to be in a place where you're like driven to do something that's like a little bit different than what everybody wants you to do or like thinks you should do. And then that's how you find like the next thing, whatever that is. That's a good call, Steve. Yeah. He also if said something in the, the Stanford commencement speech about like, I can't even remember exactly what it was. But basically, if you, if you have anything to be afraid of, it's like you're dying anyway. Yeah. Like we're all dying right now. You might as well just fucking get at it. Like what? Like that's the ultimate fear. It's going to happen. So I think do whatever you I want. I think uh, Abraham Lincoln said. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to paraphrase this. Uh, it, was, it was. I think on the first moon flight, uh, Apollo. 
Apollo 72. And he said he just before coming off the lander, I think I'm not positive this, but, but it's, it's something like this. I mean, I didn't hear him say this. Julia told this to me once when I was, but it was through the bathroom door. So I think I'm remembering this correctly. It might be right, but I'll just, I, I'm just going to, I just get He just went, Whoa, that's what, and you know, come on, you got to look at that and go that he knew George, Wa- George Washington said, and I quote, never pay full price for, <laughs> for late, late pizza. pizza. Um, well, nice. Wayne Gretzky did say. Oh, <laughs> the Gretzker. I've missed 100% of the shots I didn't take. He did, I, saw that on, oh, I saw that on like a truck. That's an iced out statement. Yeah. <laughs> he knew some stuff. Holy oh, shit. That concludes part two of three with Julia Castle Mayer at the French Press. Tune back in and check us out at catandcloud.com. That's my alarm. It says I can't have any more food tonight. <laughs> <laughs>